Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'm going to be joined by my co hosts, Ben and Evan. I've got a shout-out, our longtime sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can go to RadarToys.com, save 10% using the code BATFANPOD, and always get free shipping in the U.S. That's RadarToys.com. Now, today, we're going to take our first dive into episodes of Batman the Animated Series. We've done Phantasm and Sub-Zero, the films. But we're going to dig into the show itself, one of my absolute favorite representations of Batman. This is a two-parter. It's called Robin's Reckoning. All right. As an introduction, I posted to Instagram, if anyone had any random questions for us on the recording today, and the first one we got was, what is our favorite one-off villain. I thought that was a pretty good question. What is the criteria? That means they were only ever in one thing? or Yeah, you know, like they were not necessarily a recurring role, you know, like Lockup or, you know, Baby Doll or... I mean, personally, I think Phantasm for me, but you could argue Hush or, you know, a lot of these underutilized characters. I don't think I'm even familiar enough to pick out a character, but Phantasm, I think, would be the one because of the significance of that movie to me and just the character design. It's hard to beat, man. It really is. Yeah. Such a good story. And again, like that Shredder vibe with the Grim Reaper hood and everything. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah, I like a skull mask and a hooded character with a knife hand. Yeah. That's kind of almost the only one-off I can really think of because... All the other Batman villains, there's like lesser villains, but they all show up here and there. Like I've said, I like Lady Shiva. Yeah. I like the idea of, I like lady characters, and I like a character that can, can fight Batman on even terms. Mm-hmm. But she's not one-off. She's been around since like that, 80s at least. Yeah. And so Phantasm's a pretty good one. Hush was interesting, but I only, I read Hush once years See, ago. that's what I really want to do on the show. That's, that's a good one. I remember liking it, but I don't think of him as like, yeah, hush. I like Phantasm Woman more than hush. <laughs> Phantasm <laughs> Woman. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. We're doing uh, a two-parter from Batman the Animated Series, Robin's Reckoning. Uh, these episodes came out in 1993. Uh, written by Randy Rogel, directed by Dick Sebast, starring, as always, Kevin Conroy, Lauren Lester, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Bob Hastings. We have Tom Wilson, a.k.a. Biff Tannen. Yeah. As, I think uh, he's uncredited. Tony Zuko. Is he? It says his name in the end. Or he, was, uh, he did another voice in the show. That's what it was. He did somebody else, and that was uncredited. That's oh. The same, in that episode. Gotcha. Yeah, they do that sometimes where, like, I remember in the Man Bat episode on Leather Wings, and it's like a police helicopter, and it's going through the sky, and Man Bat, like, flies by. And one of the cops in the helicopter is like, what the heck? You know, and that was Conroy, you know. So, like, they'll, they'll reuse him for little lines here and I there. Gonna, I thought you were going to say, he's headed straight for the water tower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
that thing is going to blow. Uh, and then, of course, music by the wonderful Shirley Walker. This is a great place to start out the episode because we haven't actually done anything from the series itself, aside from the spinoffs. So let's talk about this amazing intro. What other stuff has Shirley done besides the Batman franchise? Because I swear I've never heard her name anywhere else. Lots of TV. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I looked her up sure. and did the Phantasm, a lot of television work. It had been a really long time since I watched any of the cartoon. I got the instant nostalgia vibes. Not in a, this is only good because I was a little kid way. Yeah. In a, it's still really awesome and I love this style way. And even the intro and the music is so cool and powerful, but then the way that it syncs up with all the action is super cool. All the punches being thrown, especially the the building blowing up on the ground floor, just boom, yes. and it gets right to the music. That's so cool. And I also liked a lot of times intros to stuff will be kind of a, a montage of different things, just stuff that Batman might do. He might swing yep. from building to building and he might ride a bicycle and stuff like that. <laughs> but what I like is that the intro tells its own little day in the life of Batman mini story. And yeah. I think that's really cool. Like so much of his time is spent fighting these super villain guys, but he's also a super cop and randomly just has to take out bank robbers. So I just like the little open and shut minute long story with the bank robbers, Batman shows up, rooftop fight scene, comes in Gotham PD, guys tied up with a bow for the cops, and then Batman triumphant at the top of a building, the end. That's really cool to me. Just kind of open shut Batman story. Well, and basically what you're talking about is they did a pilot for the show that was like not a full on episode but it was like a minute or two short or something. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of their pitch, you know, of like Bruce Tim going, all right, so this is the style. This is kind of what we want to do. So when they made the intro, they basically condensed that standalone mm -hmm. random goons fight thing and kind of wrote the whole intro off of that. Cool. On the later episodes, it's really frustrating because they started calling it like the adventures of Batman and Robin. And so you'll be watching this season and like halfway through, it'll do that montage intro thing. Mm. And they won't use the Elfman song. They'll use the theme that's in the show, which is great. The ba you know, like mm. it's still great. I love it. But when you have the most iconic intro and then turn it into this clip piece, with the other song, it's like, what, what the fuck? And it's the same show. And so it'll uh -huh. be like, one episode has Robin on it, and you'll get that. And the next episode will be normal again. Huh. It's really fucking weird. And then I just started watching the new adventures for the first time. They go back to the original intro. Weird. They redesigned all the characters. Everything looks fucking different. But they at least were like, we're not going to top this. Let's just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That seems weird, though, just for the lack of visual continuity i wouldn't want to do that <laughs> when you're talking about this pumped up 
Batman montage, all of a sudden I'm thinking of like the Speed Racer intro. So I'm thinking like, go, go Batman or something. Just just flying fists and car racing and stuff. That just makes me think of Fast Driver when SNL did the parody of Drive, Fast Driver, Drive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picturing this episode pitch and somebody is like, you see this painted Batman face with these cartoon squinty eyeballs there's gonna be a lot of that this is gonna be a big thing this is gonna be reoccurring right here (laughs) i actually i love the look of the ones that are on like streaming now because Mm -hmm. i have the old dvds and they're not really restored in any way and so there's famously they talk about it in like the commentaries and shit that close-up of his face on the roof in Uh every episode there's this big white mark on his cheek because there was like dirt on the film or something. And so it's like the big close up, but it kind of looks like shit. And so on the new ones, everything is super sharp and color is touched up and it looks super awesome. Like normally I don't care very much about restorations, but when I started streaming this on DC universe, I was like, Oh my God, I'm never watching my DVDs again. This looks so good. <laughs> but when it's all mole, 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 then you just, you just can't stand it. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> Shut up. That's ben. A Austin Powers reference for anybody who uh, didn't get that. Yeah, baby. Very psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> Do I make you horny? So we open with the, uh, skyscraper construction site robin is kind of out of character being a whiny little bitch you know it's like do we have to stay here forever can't we just go and you know like this dude is in college um (laughs) he says yeah time to kick some butt (laughs) yeah and you think he's probably been robin for a while at this point so he'd be used to sitting around just waiting for stuff to happen yeah i think really what they're trying to do is they're setting up this sort of conflict with Batman and Robin because this episode, more than most, he's very stoic and gruff. He's much more Batman-like. Exactly, yeah. There's, there's no real soft edge to Batman in this episode. Their interaction in the beginning where he's just, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Robin's just like, just prattling on it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Is that how you guys are when I start going off about some shit? <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. This uh, intro fight scene had some of the best, like, the only thing that kept Batman from breaking his code of not murdering people was like a conveniently placed crane outside the building because he, he's just like <laughs> two foot kicking people off yeah. the girders into space. <laughs> he's all right. He landed on the plywood. Yeah, they're random platforms floating out in the air thank god for those it's funny because i remembered this episode being so good or these episodes being so good right and then when i turned it on in the first like three or four minutes i'm like wait this is the tone of the this is different than i remember you know it's like a bad fight scene where he's like struggling to take out random goons you know there's that shitty banter right before that that we were just talking about i was like This is the vibe, but then very quickly it turns super serious, you know. As soon as he tells Robin to go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because he like hears that name, it's like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. What what was, what the fuck was it? Marin. Oh, Billy Marin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And he's like, hang on a second. Bobby McFerrin? <laughs> Go get the car, you know? And I love the shot where he pushes the guy off. Robin catches him. <laughs> Batman is like hoisting him up. And it's like, it's you, me, and 30 stories. You're going to tell me what I want to know. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. And the, the guy's like, the cops wouldn't leave me here. He's like, we're not the cops. You know, it's it's almost like a little bit of Christian Bale Batman in that. I like hearing Conroy's version of that badass version of himself. Yeah. Because I think Conroy really helped instill the way that, that I've talked about, the way that I picture Batman just not saying a lot, only saying what he needs to, mm-hmm. being so composed that it comes across in his vocal tone. I think a lot of that was extra instilled by Conroy because he has the ability to sound calm and gentle or just kind of straightforward and commanding. And he has a very deep hear. voice, so it, it's powerful he, when he's talking slow. Yeah, he doesn't have to yell to have presence. Yeah, I think you hit it with presence because both Keaton and Conroy get the credit for like the two voices. Yeah. You know, Keaton's very minimalist, doesn't say very much, but his is such a visual presence versus Conroy's voice. Like you said, it has this extra resonance and there's something about it that is so commanding that he Mm -hmm. can do very little and have it be the most impactful. Mm -hmm. Back to Robin's being snotty in the very beginning. He says something about Batman treats me like a kid. And then he immediately kicks a rock like a kid. (laughs) (laughs) And you were just saying that as soon as Batman hears the guy's name, he's kind of, Oh shit. He knows what might be up and Robin shouldn't partake in it. Yeah. But as the audience member, you don't know what's going on yet. And I wonder if their little interaction in the beginning that made Batman seem like he was kind of tired of Robin already. Like they were just having an off day and Robin was just bugging him. I wonder if that was just to kind of a little me misdirect. So they set the stage like they're just having a day and they're getting on each other's nerves. And then when the guy mentions the name, you think a little less of it because maybe Batman just wants some space and he's like, oh, yeah, this sounds something like I should investigate solo. And and as the audience member, you're like, yeah, well, he just, uh, you know, he's being a dick, kind of. He's he's taking it at our, out on Robin. There's probably nothing else to this story. And then it turns out that there is. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because, I mean, he does seem surprised, like they're ready to walk out on this dude. Mm-hmm. And then he says it. And, and Batman kind of turns around like, what the fuck did you just say? You know, so, I mean, there is a little bit of that but yeah they they did set it up well of like there's already some kind of dissonance between them you know that would make it work when he says get in the fucking car because if they just swoop in and they're like all right we're a team and we're blah 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 and he's like get in the fucking car he's like wait what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it would seem very abrupt (laughs) another part that i liked about that scene is that that man grabs I don't think that they work like this, but he grabs that rivet gun and he's shooting the rivets like a machine gun. Okay, I was going to bring that up because I... That's n- and I thought it was a nail gun, but e- either way, that can't be how that works. I mean, I've used a nail gun. <laughs> no, I've built so. a fence. But then I was thinking, well, maybe there weren't all these safety precautions in 1993 because 
You know, think about like. <laughs> yeah, OSHA didn't exist in 1993. Well, I think of Happy Gilmore. That came out around this time, like 95, 96, right? And the joke that he shoots his boss in the head with the nail gun when he's target practicing, like, those don't exist like that today. So maybe that was a thing back then. So what I don't know is that you have different safety precautions on different styles of nail guns, say, but one of the really common ones is that the end of it has to be like depressed yeah. to a surface That's in order what I was to thinking. shoot the thing. So like maybe a rivet doesn't, and you could just totally blah, 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 just blast them wildly in the air. <laughs> but I kind of imagine that it has to be pressed up against something but a rivet is more or less like an incredibly heavy-duty nail gun because that's what the skeletal structure of a building like that is, like steel I-beams. And yeah. then that's what allows you to join I-beams together is those rivets. That's just a really long way of you telling me, it's not a fucking nail gun, you idiot. Everything's steel. <laughs> I don't think that this podcast would necessarily be just about Batman. I think it's actually just a, a learning opportunity and it shows how diverse we all are as individuals. Yeah, this is what people come for is that, you know, I come for Batman, but then I stay for the long sidebars about the structural engineering. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. the history <laughs> of <toothbrushes>. safety. <laughs> you know, that's what I stay for is hardware safety over the years. I think it really catches people off guard. And, and uh, yeah, you didn't expect to, to learn something that was real life and practical when we're reading and watching fiction. But here we are, <laughs> Sam, dropping all these knowledge bombs. Sam, I don't even understand. How, how did you manage to pay attention to the rest of this episode when you were just so consumed by this rivet gun, nail gun, would it, won't it? Oh, I had to watch the whole thing over again just because I was so distracted by that, you know. I had to watch some documentaries. I went to Google. I went to YouTube. I started watching little documentaries, you know. Like, you had to watch all of Happy Gilmore over again. <laughs> like, little wait. immediately following. <laughs> it can't be. Um, we get this scene afterward that's brief, but Dick and Bruce in the Batcave, it's the sort of, no, I have to go in on this alone, right? And that's when he's left behind. Dick sits down to the Batcave. I was like, fine, I'm going to look up this Billy Marin motherfucker, see what's going on. And then he sees Tony Zuko. And as a seven-year-old child, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going, okay. And then it cuts back and it shows you right. the flashback. And so th this is what this show does really well i chose it because it reminded me sort of of phantasm and the way that it's told through past and present so effectively you know he sees as a child the zuko guy trying to extort the circus and he sees this dude later when they're about to go on stage it's like hey that's the guy and like shut up you little bastard it's time to go on stage you know and um i just really like the way that they thread the needle on this story, you know, and, and especially coming out of Dark Victory where we just had that little silent montage that was so beautiful. I feel like this is an equally powerful telling of that story. I like that uh, that elephant seemed much smarter than an elephant should be. That elephant was watching him do acrobatics and smiling. 
Elephants are pretty smart. They're yeah, smart, I, but I don't I think, think they let them smile. Smart. You just yeah, took me right out of the show with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the elephant who used the rivet gun. Everyone has their thing. <laughs> yeah. Basically, this whole episode's unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, you're about to say that I haven't spent a lot of time with elephants. Yeah, I, correct. I, I, I'm extremely offended. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, either that or you have it, you just don't do the kind of things that make elephants smile. He actually does the <laughs> Elephant Fanatic podcast separate from this. That's that's his other hobbies. I play video games and I make them watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree, Sam. I think that I love the two-episode mini-story and the way that they infuse the flashbacks at good times does really remind me of phantasm and is really effective in the storytelling. Also this versus like Batman and Robin and Robin is already looks like an adult character, you know, you know, generally he's a little kid. And one thing that you can't really gather from comic books so much is his parents. And this seem like genuinely, kind and compassionate people and yeah, for sure they seem warm they do they you know his mom's like holding his shoulders and encouraging him or something or like his you know dad would touch his shoulder or something like that like they genuinely care for this person and that much harder to lose somebody who's such like a warm caring presence in your life yeah they do a really good job in the time that they had on screen mm-hmm despite the uh, child endangerment. Uh, after a short amount of research, it would seem that a rivet gun might, in fact, <laughs> fire continuously as long as you held the trigger down and would only have a real safety feature if you installed one, and I wouldn't be surprised if, back in the day, that wasn't even an option. We need to get these automatic rivet guns off the streets. Yeah, yeah. Don't you dare try to take away my God-given rivet guns, Sam. <laughs> that's my it's my privilege as a Caucasian Christian American to own as many automatic rivet guns as I want to. <laughs> oh, good. Um, I also like in that scene that when they announce Bruce Wayne is in the house, and the spotlight cuts over to him. He's like, time to put it on. And he fucking like dumps his popcorn while he's trying to wave and like knocks over his soda and like tries to yeah. catch him over the side. Like, oh, well, shucks. You know, oh, that bumbling idiot. <laughs> like, how's that fucking guy so rich? It's just because of his parents. It'd be awesome if his instincts kicked in and he spilled all of his popcorn, but then also snatched each popcorn out of mid-air with like a two finger. That's like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in the in the cafeteria where he like catches all the shit. Oh yeah, so then we get the undercover scene, which when I was taking my notes, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, matches Malone, matches Malone. But then as the scene goes on, they're like, you ask a lot of fucking questions for somebody we've never seen, like What's your name? And he's like, Smith. And I thought, wait, that's weird. Because I knew he used that other alias, but maybe it was just a one-off or something they came to later. But John Smith. Yeah. Don't think anything funny about me. That wouldn't be <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> Smith, would it? Nothing ordinary about that. 
So what do you think about the voices in this scene? Because, uh, you know, I like the uh, stereotypical, you know, godfathery voices, and you didn't like that in The Dark Knight. So does it work for oh, you in a cartoon? Yeah, this upsets me just like The Dark Knight, deeply. <laughs> deeply. I, uh, I had to so corny. I, I had to cut myself just to get rid of the anxiety. <laughs> uh, no, I think it works with it because this show has that vibe of, like, classic mobster throughout it. Yeah. So it works fine. I mean... That was my only gripe is that he's not matches Malone, but otherwise, yeah. Oh, is it agent? Is it uh, what does he say? Is it is that Detective Smith? Yeah, maybe Sergeant. Yeah, I like that. That's a good line, honestly. It works in this. It doesn't work in a super hardcore, fucking realistic modern <laughs> crime thriller. <laughs> well, and also the cool thing about this sequence is that there's an instant change into Batman, and so like. He beats up and scares off all the other guys, except the one dude who then, before he even turns around, he sees the silhouette of Batman, the shadow lurking over him. He's like, oh, fuck. And again, like you were saying about the intro, like, all right, we're going to have tons of this. You know, we get the knuckle cracking. He doesn't say anything. He's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this, this guy is in the wrong place tonight. John Smith is a real badass. <laughs> Loves torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell if that was a gripe or not either with like how quickly he changed. But I was like, that's all right. He's Batman. He had his costume on underneath that. And it is like a breakaway hobo outfit. And he just pulls it. <laughs> and then he quickly threw his cowl on over it. And he was ready. Yeah, it's not like when he was that old lady and it was so much prosthesis <laughs> that he had to fight as the old lady, you know. He has to take off his dirty alley jacket and then his pink robe, and then he has his bat suit on underneath it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's like fake boobs for the old lady costume. <laughs> no, no. Keeps those on. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps them in the what, utility belt. What am I thinking of? Like Mrs. Doubtfire or something where somebody in a movie is rocking some like fake fabric titties. I, I feel like it's Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. There's a little yeah. bit of that in Wild West also, but more Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, I think it's Mrs. Daffer. That's what I'm thinking of. That just makes me think of something about Mary. <laughs> the old ladies. Fucking. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> so, very yeah. leathery. Yeah. Leather. Oh, good. Uh, so then we come back and uh, Bruce is in the cave going like, all right, I'm on this dude's case. You know, like he's got my full attention and Alfred's like, May I remind you how fucked up you were as a kid when this happened? Like, don't you think you should pay a little attention to the child and get to the revenge later, you know? And they have this nice little scene that's kind of uh, in front of the portrait of the Waynes on the wall, you know, where it's like, you know, I could have saved them, I should have done something, and, you know, we're just painfully reminded that they are the exact same person in this way, and and... Only he's lived to tell about it, you know. He has a chance to answer it quickly this time. Yes. Only he can text the guy and do whatever he has to do. But also just to say, like, I know literally what you're experiencing here. And, like, it's not your fault. Because he, to this day, feels like you've said, you know, I have this guilt from not stopping or whatever. And so he's trying to make sure that that doesn't happen as these feelings are forming for the first time. I think that's the big difference too is it's not that 
Bruce didn't have somebody in his life. He had Alfred. Yeah. Dick would have the benefit of having Alfred and Bruce if they were both around. But what Bruce didn't have was somebody who actually experienced a very similar scenario. Exactly. And Dick does have that if Bruce could be that person for him. You say that, but you don't know Alfred. Probably his parents were murdered too in front of him. <laughs> that's why he became a butler. Yeah, his, uh, his father was murdered by the Court of Owls, remember? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That existed at this time. Um, There's probably some cool, um, uh, what's, his, what's his face? The guy who designed the look of this whole thing. Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim. yeah. There's probably some great Bruce Tim sketches from the early 90s of, you know, the Talon and an Owl Man. Owl <laughs> Man. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what I'm thinking of right now, but it, it's something, it's like a plot device that gets used in dramas and stuff all the time. But Amnesia. Yeah, but this like entire Robin thinking that Batman is being a dick thing could just be remedied if they would just have a conversation about what Batman was. But you wouldn't have an episode, you wouldn't have a story if the people just communicated. But like it happens all the time where I, I just feel like, yo, why don't you just have a talk and skip all this bullshit? I don't like misunderstandings and I don't like miscommunication and it's really frustrating for me to watch this stuff when I want to say things and I want them to be intercepted as I intend them and I want to take other people at their word and I don't want to like hide things like that. So then watching people like, nope, this is definitely going to play out way better if I just strike out and do this <laughs> on my own and don't explain myself to this kid. He'll totally get what I'm trying to do here. You know, like... Why don't you just have a talk? Well, it's the <laughs> whole it like second act problem, you know, when they need to drive a wedge between characters. It even happens in comedies, you know, where a uh, romantic comedy or something like, oh, they thought they caught this person with another girl or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's not what actually happened. That's what it looked like, right? And then instead of just saying, well, it looked like that because I was doing X, Y, and Z. This is actually my disabled sister. They did. <laughs> I, I have to take care of her. Yeah. Every day, yeah. So. That's why I was under her dress. I was helping her get dressed, you know. And so the, you've always got to have this. Shoes. Is this a Farrelly Brothers movie that we're talking about? I don't know. <laughs> but like, they're always dancing around the truth and trying to say, like, the softest, easiest work around instead of just saying, well, this is what happened, you know, and it, it mm -hmm. always happens. It gets me too when I'm watching shit. It's like, you could have just said the fucking thing and then she wouldn't be pissed at you for the next three months that we got to have a montage through now. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a little bit just kind of like a lazy storytelling gimmick, but I give it a little bit of a pass because it fits with the character of Batman that I know, which is like modern Batman. The idea of someone who doesn't tell other people enough. Always yeah. tries to do everything on his own. Sure. Oh yeah, it he, works. He could, he could have been like, "This is really important. You have to trust me on this. I have to go do this." Instead of just being rude. Yeah, I think that the dude who was involved in your parents' murder might have something to do with the thing that we're currently working on. I think it'll be a little too much for you. Maybe you should sit this out, please. See, but, but again, trust him. if you say that. Then he's gonna be. Wait, what? I'm definitely going. You know. So. Yeah, exactly. he does, yeah, he does it anyways, though. But it's the drama. Yeah. <laughs> when, he, when he does his detective work. <laughs> yeah. All right. When he does his detective work of typing the name in the back computer. <laughs> Some deep research. Yeah. Well, it's research. Safety features on Rivet guns. 
you know, this is this is information I assume that he has built up over the years of being the detective. Of, he has this database now, you know? Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I just think that's like poor planning on his part if he's going to try and block Robin out. To not cover that up somehow or oh, yeah. put a password on the computer. Here's my password, <laughs> I though. I hope he doesn't use the same research computer that I used to discover <laughs> this man's identity. That's pretty good. There's only one. I hope he doesn't think to use it. <laughs> yeah, that's true because he's kind of not giving him enough credit as his protege. <laughs> he's, he's like a super ass kicker, but he doesn't know how to turn on a computer. Well, he doesn't then, know how to type. Then he gets the scene where he realizes that Robin is tracking him so he like switches the shit off then we kind of immediately jump back in time we don't really see where robin goes instead gordon comes over to the house and was like well we you might not have to keep the boy you know um it's like i we're really close to zuko and uh you see the kid through the door going like oh shit i'm gonna get given away now like they don't spend mm-hmm. too much time on it but it is a real threat <laughs> You're going to make that elephant take care of me. Uh, she's all right. She keeps fucking with me. <laughs> they only pay me in peanuts at the circus. It's exactly what the elephant likes. <laughs> Takes all my money. Since they explained that Zuko's a flight risk, Dick's like, I'm going to go after him. No training, no Robin, just a child going after this dude. And so we see him kind of going around the streets in these shitty neighborhoods with a picture like have you seen this goon you know and i also thought do you guys notice the voice of the bus driver being a little bit incongruous yeah because it's like this mr feeny looking white guy with a gray mustache and then you get like it's basically uh michael k williams from the wire he voices this dude on um bill burr's cartoon on Netflix, F is for family. It's like that exaggerated 70s character coming out of a round-faced, gray-haired white guy on the bus. <laughs> I was like, God, what is happening strange. right now? <laughs> and then we get this scene that is, I don't really know what it's for, but I like it. Maybe it's character building on Dick's part. But he sees a pimp smacking around a girl taking her money and uh, intervenes. I thought that was kind of random, but uh, it's sort of like a, a year one fish out of water. Like you say, showing his character. That like, even though he's trying to do something else, that's wrong. He doesn't even think like, oh, I'm a little kid. Yeah. I can't do anything about this. He just goes in to stop it. Yeah. I think that's the case also. It's trying to show on his own that's what he would do too. That's, that's his character and that's his merit. He's a stand-up kid. And, courageous, and he's good for that role because of these reasons. And then the girl he, takes he him likes out. Babes. <laughs> it's a horny bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and then the girl takes him out to the diner, and the waitress gives a little too much information. I like it. She's like, "Oh, I know this asshole. He comes in here and he doesn't tip me, right?" Like, "All right, I get that." And then she's like, "Yeah, I seen him come from that abandoned building across the pond." It's like. But you couldn't see that guy coming from half a mile away. Every day, yeah. same time. <laughs> 12 bucks down around a million corners. <laughs> I, I know exactly where it comes from. <laughs> Points out the window. Yeah, he went that away, you know. Oh, yeah, Bobby Merritt, the boss. I think I saw him up there by the diner. <laughs> when Batman shows up 
we get this great scene where Dick, again, who is not Robin yet, looking up at the bat wing coming down from the sky. <laughs> he takes it back to the cave. Kid asks, who are you? And he just takes his fucking mask off. That's a pretty cool reveal. It kind of reminds me of like the opposite of Phantasm when he first puts the mask on and Alfred's like, holy shit, you know, has that same kind of resonance of like, mm. well, I'm letting you in, like it or not. Whoa. Yeah. An important part of the scene just before that, Batman has Zuko and Robin's there, but then Robin gets like hit and knocked into the canal. So Batman has to dive <laughs> in and save him, which gives up Zuko, which kind of then gives another place for Robin to have guilt of like Zuko could have been caught. If I let him deal with this, but like it's his fault. Yeah. It wasn't before, but now it is. <clears throat> yeah. That's part of my notes too. And specifically because Robin says, you had him, you let him go. Why? Like, because of you, <laughs> dumbass, you fell in the water. <laughs> I wouldn't have had that dude otherwise. You're not very smart. You can't be you? mad, stupid. <laughs> like, you remember like 30 seconds ago when we went off a fucking waterfall? That, that's why. Why are my pants wet, Batman? You let why? it go. Why? <laughs> Butthead? Uh, Proceeds to kick another rock. I like how decrepit Gotham is that... He just leans on a rail and it goes over. <laughs> and yet the same thing happens when you flash forward and grown-up Robin catches him again. This time it's uh, Zuko that's like backing up, backing up, backing up. And he leans on the the rail there on the pier and he also falls through it. <laughs> and Robin has to catch him. It's like well, the rivet guns don't have safeties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. It's a terrible place to work. No, I was him. thinking more like we, Jack Nicholson Joker, where he's like, they don't make him like they used to, and he's just kicking yeah. apart the bricks. Never touch another man's rhubarb. I mean, we've talked about how Rub. old Gotham is. It's an ancient city. Secondly, again, OSHA standards didn't exist in '93 slash the 1920s. <laughs> There's a failing. Don't, I mean, don't even touch a handrail in Gotham. It's everybody knows that. The whole time Evan's watching this show, he's just like, "What year is it?" <laughs> My God! They got voice-activated computers, man. Yeah. Hover jets. How old is this boy, man? I don't understand. <laughs> the future past is a confusing time. I like this little bit for. Um, the trifecta for detective when they show Robin digging around trying to find Zuko, you know, it's in the present tense. Now he decides to redial the phone that's sitting in this office. And he puts this clunky little thing that says tracer on it. And, uh, I like that though. He just dials it up. Zuko answers the phone like, yeah, what do you want? You know, figures out his location it's maybe not the most realistic thing, but I like that they're going through the motions of all this detective stuff, even in Robin's case, without Batman around. I like that stuff a lot. A little behind-the-scenes action? Yeah. I think also it's just a practical thing, like because you could have the exact same device but with a much more detailed readout that looked more complicated, but you wouldn't be able to see what any of it said because it was on a tiny TV yeah. 30 years ago. True. So just having it be big letters, like, this is the address. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I like that uh, when Zuko hears something, and it's sort of like when he's packing his shit in the flashback, 
and Dick accidentally kicks a can outside when he's kind of spying on him. The same sort of thing, he hears a sound and realizes, oh shit, I think Batman's here. And he picks up a Tommy gun and wastes the entire clip shooting the walls and ceiling to the extent that when Batman falls, he cannot shoot him because he's shot so much of the property just trying to find him. That's what I think is so funny. I rewound it after watching it <laughs> because I like that Batman doesn't immediately fall from the ceiling. The ceiling and him don't come at the same time. So there's this mini delay because he, he wasn't sure if he was really up there. He kind of suspected. But is he being paranoid? So he just wastes like the whole drum. All the rounds are gone. And Batman doesn't immediately fall. Makes it seem like maybe he wasn't there. <laughs> but I timed it. He shoots his bullets for 17 seconds. <laughs> 17 seconds of continuous lot. bullet shooting. And then when he goes to shoot Batman again, he's like surprised that, <laughs> that like, but what? like there's not more bullets. Like how many rounds are supposed to be in this thing? And you just shot it for 17 <laughs> seconds straight. Like, <laughs> no, dude, there isn't any more dummy. This also has the thing that the animated series is bad with. And we've talked about before where sometimes this is the Batman we know. And other times, this is the Batman that like one guy punches him and he falls down and he's out of the fight. So that guy shot all those bullets for that much time. And either he hit Batman a bunch and that's why he fell down and had trouble. <laughs> and or he now didn't he's hit dead. Batman at all. And just the fall from the ceiling to the floor completely winded and stunned the master martial artist ninja guy to the point where now he's just kind of like vulnerable on all fours. I got the feeling that he got tagged in the leg or something like he's shown holding his leg the peter griffin thing he just hit his leg yeah maybe it's just that ah, yeah maybe it's just the fall because there isn't blood and they don't show anything about him getting shot so yeah maybe he sprained his ankle in the fall and, i think that's what it is because he has uh, a splint later when they're on the dock um uh, he's kind of limping up to him yeah that's more conducive to a fall than it is to a bullet wound that makes sense but one thing that i noticed since you mentioned it you know i'm watching the first season of the new batman adventures He's not that lousy fighter on that show. Like, he's doing the very, like, few moves, most efficient fighting style, taking everybody down, and then a guy sneaks up behind him and he just lifts the fists like Michael Keaton and punches him out. Like, he's much more effective in that, like, because I think it's set later on and he's more... Adept. So it's noticeably better than the original animated series? Yes, which surprised me because, again, I had not seen the revamped show at all, and I was like, okay, this motherfucker can fight now, and I, I like that quite a bit more. Well, like, the choreography in the fights in this are like the, the intro fight at the construction site. The choreography is still good, like the yeah. judo and jiu-jitsu moves he's doing. Yeah. But yeah, he's just not, like, that good compared to what we expect for Batman compared yeah. to what it seems like he becomes in the next series. I think retroactively, they sort of establish he's more experienced there. Therefore, this is earlier on. Uh, yeah, that's like... Even though Robin's 25 already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he's more like 19, but yeah. In the Phantasm, they actually give you those flashbacks to show the very beginning of his career. Yeah. But it's possible that this is also in the beginning-ish of his career as Batman, not necessarily the first year or something. And I I don't know. We have talked about how in other versions of Batman, he is already experienced by the time he becomes Batman. So I'm not really sure what the excuse for 
that is you kind of have to disregard that like uh he started practicing martial arts when he became Batman. <laughs> i think it's just poor characterization because the alternative that this version of batman just isn't that good of a fighter doesn't make sense to me because that's sort of the whole crux of the character yeah is that he's he's a man but he's just so good that he can do all these ridiculous things and if you take that away it doesn't really work anymore mm. yeah it's true i mean i think that a lot of that stuff was assigned retroactively because if they thought about this shit going into it, they didn't think they're going to be making for decades shit that's still tied in to what they're doing on a Fox Kids show in 1992. Sure. You know. I wonder if it's at all related to the capabilities of like the animation team at the time. Though it doesn't make a ton of sense because you've certainly had cartoons that would have existed before it, like even Thundercats or anything like that. But style is so important in this, and certainly there is plenty of action, but it isn't like incredibly dynamic necessarily. And part of me wonders if they're just it's more style and it's more visuals than it is actual like action, choreography, animation capability. I mean, you can have all those things and still have him win the fight, but I I think it's just the fact that you need to feel he's struggling in some way and that these are actual worthy adversaries because if he can just walk into any room and take out all the goons, then what's he left to do but backhand the penguin and take him in? It'd be over too quick. I mean, you're right, but that's what Batman does. The way they make it work is by having it be like exciting and interesting choreography as to how he takes out a room full of guys. Because mm-hmm. sometimes in the comics, they will have him do that. Where he'll, there's one of my favorite ones, and I can't remember if it's from Hush. Partway through his investigation, he has to take on, like, in their barracks, a squad of, like, elite soldiers. And it's just him fighting them hand-to-hand in this room. And it's awesome. And he takes them all out. And, like, it doesn't make sense. but Or it's not that it doesn't make sense, but he doesn't have that tension of, like, oh, is he in any danger? But it's still really entertaining to watch. For sure. So that's where I think it's more like how he does the crazy things he does is a more interesting take than let's just make him weak. But it, it almost feels like a old school Batman serial, like the uh-huh. old school Superman serials. Well, it's a little bit like the 60s Adam West sort of fight scenes, you know, where it's like he's not the master martial artist. He's Batman, kids, you know. Yeah. You're right, though. You can't it'd be sort of hard to simultaneously be exercising your like combat supremacy and simultaneously struggling with something. So you're either destroying the room full of ninjas or you're having a hard time with the ice cream man. Maybe (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite one off Batman villains. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Well, Ev had a big uh, issue with the exploding ice cream cone in dark victory. So, or no, in nightfall, that's what it was. They just didn't explain it. You know, I was like, you got a hello kitty mug and a like plastic ice cream cone. It was like one of those when you're a kid and you have the toy one, where you push a button and it like pops the ice cream ball in the air and it's foam, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like that, but you push the button and it's a bomb. But it destroys the toll booth and the bridge and stuff instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a detonator. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I um, mean, if somebody would just tell me that, then, you know, that's all. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm you. just like Ben, you know, Ben needs his little like science montage and stuff and I need like, you know, 
Joker goes to the place where he stores his nuclear missiles and <laughs> also creates a, an explosive ice cream cone. There's a skull and crossbones on the freezer as he lifts it up. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Robin's got his phone tracing little block. You know, give me the behind the scenes. I need that BTS. Now he goes to that place in A Death in the Family where he keeps his nuke in that warehouse. Yes, exactly. And then he opens the cupboard and oh, oh shit. We get a beautiful cameo of the Ayatollah handing <laughs> yeah. ice cream. Cone. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah. So back to the present tense. <laughs> Nope. Another thing I like about this is the finale takes place in the amusement park. Normally, that would be a Joker gag, but this feels very... There was a Dirty Harry sequel that had a similar resolution that was in like Coney Island or something like that. And there's this like beaten down old amusement park and... It just has this the right kind of vibe for it. I don't know. I think it works really well without being a Joker set. And I also like when uh, they're on the carousel and the guys are trying to get to him, to Batman. And Zuko comes up with the Tommy gun. And he's like, sorry, boys. And he's just about to machine gun everyone. He's like, my bad. And then he's about to just machine gun his own people. <laughs> yeah. To How am I going to spend my check? Hopefully, get that. Kill me, man! I don't <laughs> yeah. even get that. Exactly. What a dick! But yeah, I like the whole setup, though. Yeah, in a carnival scene, Batman hobbles off and jumps into a, a little carnival game that's called the Sitting Duck Shooting Gallery. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I can't. I. I like, yeah, I, didn't I like that. Yeah, it's good. good. I like. Words. <laughs> um, I couldn't remember. I. If it was in this or it had to have been in this or Curse of the White Knight, but there's a there's a scene that shows like the cityscape and there is a Statue of Liberty like out in the water. And we're always talking about like, where is Gotham? Like, yeah. what is this place? And this Statue of Liberty like very clearly <laughs> makes it look like a certain place. It's the Statue of Lady Kansas. It's right in the middle of Lake Kansas. <laughs> Gotham is on the shores of Lake Kansas in Kansas. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Fair enough. Debunked. <laughs> Moving on. Now, coming out of the amusement park scene, Robin shows up it's kind of like in Batman Returns when the bat ski boat comes and decapitates the duck as Penguin's driving, you know? The fucking oh. motorcycle just flies right over his head like it's going to land on him. So Zuko starts shooting at it, but the base of the motorcycle is protecting him. And I love how Robin fucking grabs it by his shirt collar as soon as he lands and drags this motherfucker down the pier and spins out and throws him. Like, that was such mm-hmm. a badass fucking move. I love they gave him that little cool action moment when ultimately he's going to have to step down. They still give him this cool bad guy ass-kicking thing, you know? Yeah, that part is badass. He's not the helpless little kid anymore. That whole his final confrontation with Zuko is like that because anything Zuko does to stop him he just immediately deflects or defends against because he's basically little Batman. 
I'm looking at my notes and actually <laughs> it says so ducking badass. I didn't catch the autocorrect there. You're just trying to clean it up. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I want to keep those ratings high and watch my yeah. fucking mouth. And Five stars mon- plus. Monkey fighting goons come up to Batman and they're like, shiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot dang. Well, because I watched this a while ago and uh, we rescheduled, I watched it again just now before we started and uh, Ange was laughing sitting next to me when Batman's holding the guy in the beginning who's hanging and he's like, Listen here, scumbucket. And she's like, scumbucket. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I can't even remember where it is. It all must have been like very near the beginning. Pretty sure it's Batman, but I just have four lines in a row that are quoted lines. And the very last one is, you don't want to see me grumpy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. That's when he goes to that so Stromwell hard. guy and he puts the uh, the tracker under his chair. It sucks because that is such an awesome serious noir scene and then it ends with that line again that's the funny parallels of what's acceptable in terms of things you say and what's acceptable in terms of things you show so it's like you don't want to see me grumpy and that's about all they can get away with and then we're going to watch him probably about to torture someone by beating them until they (laughs) confess (laughs) that's cool well it's weird though because you could have played that slightly more seriously just by saying angry but then they're like well but the hulk says that we can't say that and instead of going back and rewriting the line they're just like eh, make it say grumpy you don't want to see me get crazy <laughs> Stop. oh man i really 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 like the closing bit robin wants to throw him off the pier batman shows up the cop cars are showing up it's all coming to a head, just like a great action movie would kind of wind up, you know, like he makes the right call, you know, he pulls him back to safety. And there's that great line where he's not decided to let him off yet. And he's like, you don't know how I feel. You could never understand. And then actually makes eye contact with him for a second and realizes how fucking stupid and self-centered that was to say. And that was kind of the tipping point that was like, fuck. Yeah, you do, and you're right. God damn it. For sure. And then they close with the best possible Batman shit where Robin's like, you know, you were right, and you knew that it would be too much for me, and... Bruce turns his back, puts his head down, and says, Zuko's taken so much, caused you so much pain, I could stand the thought that he might take you too. And that really shows that despite them butting heads and all this other shit leading up to it, in his own way, he was only trying to protect him. And that just gives so much more heart in the last 10 seconds or something before it fades into the sunrise you know yes instead of it just being you can't handle this you're not skilled enough yet yeah that's the brilliance of the show is that for all the nitpicking that we do it's got this awesome noir detective vibe through it and i mean fuck for a two-parter on a kid's series i mean this is it's a really great episode and you feel satisfied 
But then they give you that extra little thing being like, no, guys, we really get it. We want to do this as good as the comics would do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that last bit just really drove it home for me. I think a big thing with Batman is, like we talk about, his lack of explaining himself or feeling like he needs to or being accustomed to it or anything, especially in this case. If you were just flying solo, then then whatever. Who do you care about? What's your goal? You're very focused. But in this case, his, his actions are dictated by his whatever form of love for dick. <laughs> I was waiting for so a dick joke. I'm not mature. I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> I need to leave. Um, <laughs> Somebody's sitting home with that Batman bingo that I just made. And yeah. we have a whole episode where he said dick like 49 times. And they're like, they're dick not going to make a joke. Give me the fucking square. <laughs> Come on already. Well, there Richard's you go. Richard's fondness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's easy to forget that he's capable of those kind of things. He's, you're always seeing him fight criminals. He's always being very frank. He's being aggressive. Seems kind of devoid of all this stuff, but really his whole persona is rooted in feelings and trauma and, you know, piled up scars and stuff. And so that's what this stuff really needed anyways, was Dick needed that explanation. Like, where are you coming from, dude? And so to have him not even like beat around the bush and really just kind of give a sentence of just really sharing his feelings with him is super nice and really shows that, that he's capable and that's where he's coming from. And how could you argue against that? You know, he, he loves me. I appreciate how concise it is. That's the benefit of writing stuff. Nobody talks like people in movies because you have the benefit of refining stuff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And making it as concise as possible. And I just like how straightforward his sharing is. And then also considering that this is something that a lot of children were seeing, even if adults also liked it. And the people who were children ended up being adults and continued to like it. There's that element of let's sneak in the good life lessons also, yeah. you know, teamwork, sharing, compassion, blah, blah, blah. Family. Yeah, family. So to sneak in that little life lesson sentimentality at the end is is very nice. Well, I also like looking at it that way too, which I hadn't, because then it's also showing however many millions of children look up to Batman. It's like, what a tough person is. How, how to be tough. The idea that that guy can also be emotionally vulnerable. Totally. And if just in general and society, that should be what a man is capable of, like handling his business, speaking up for himself, protecting other people, able to have feelings and share feelings. That's like the spectrum. He's a character that's larger than life, but he's also just a good example of a man. So you're telling me Batman is on the spectrum? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah yeah i mean possibly he's like he's fucking wears his underpants on the outside <laughs> Single uh, right. where's his underwear on the outside those two alone would already yeah something's up really into his hobbies and interests yeah look at the people that he hangs out with like are these bad guys or are those his weird buddy friends he's playing some stupid game with? so that's a good segue into easter eggs because my only easter egg was about the suit and that is that in the flashbacks he looks a little more like the killing joke year one black chested logo 
a little more no frills than the brightly colored suit that we see. My only Easter egg is not really an Easter egg. There's just a part in the second episode with a paper boat and Amber and I just watched the It movies. It's in the, there's a paper boat in It. I would not know this. But what? Come on. I don't do horror. Actually, for, ha- for Halloween, this is the first time in years I watched any horror. They had, I know what you did last summer on uh, yeah. HBO or something, and I was like, I, I had just talked about it because I have the soundtrack from it. Because <laughs> all those movies, they'd have like one song from a band that was a B-side or something. I'm like, ah, got to get that. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't done like slasher movies in 20 years or something. And so uh, it was enjoyable to go back and watch that. I like horror movies a lot lately and not because I like scary stuff or gore or anything, but I happen to think that horror movies are pushing the portion of like cinema that's really artistic lately. And they're providing a lot of like, really cool imagery and really cool color treatments and really interesting ideas. And so I've found myself just gravitating towards them because of the style of all these films lately. That makes sense. And the old, it is awesome and funny and classic and the new ones are freaking awesome. And they're a good version of the old one being like a, a single really long movie. Cause it tells the story of these kids life and then them as adults closing the book on this bad stuff it's like a three-hour movie right it's what isn't it like a three-hour movie yeah the first one is like a three-hour movie and then the it aired multiple nights on television yeah and then the new ones are like two i don't remember how long they are but they're long they're two 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 to three hours both of them yeah um, split into two instead and it has some of the best recasting like time-lapse adults playing the children. It has, like, the best adult casting well, that I've seen in it. Yeah, man, I saw the trailer for It too in the theater, and before you realize what it is, I'm like, oh, fuck, Jessica Chastain, oh, Bill Hader, oh, like, all these people, and it's showing the child version to them, and I was like, fuck, this casting is awesome, like, what is this movie? And then it shows what it is, I'm like, nope. <laughs> I just, awesome. yeah, I'm too squeamish for all the, the gore, but any... It's like spicy food, you can develop a taste for it. Yeah, you just have to expose yourself <laughs> repeatedly to all the horrendous stuff, yeah, and then eventually really it becomes easier. Numb your senses and your... See, you're relating that in a way that implies I would understand that trying other foods... Oh, would allow me to appreciate it. It's like a really great cheese pizza or macaroni and cheese. Or maybe <laughs> buttered bread. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a great buttered bread. Like, kind of different from the buttered bread you've had before, but still. Yeah, but, yeah. do you ever want to yeah. try different bread or different butter, though? Pros? <laughs> I like American cheese. That's my pro. <laughs> Caucasian, white god, American cheese. <laughs> Uh, the animation, as always, it's just like splendid. I'd forgotten they did the little title screens before the episodes. Yeah, I love the title that is cards. super cool to me. The intro is just as powerful as always, and the style is super awesome in it. I continue to like it, and it reminds me of a time when that was new to me and how cool it was then. But then all those little elements, including the little title screen, the the little musical intro, you know, that painted single frame, and it always has that, like, art deco 
lettering and it's yeah just like everything about what they're presenting to us and the style of all of it is so cool there's even a book that just came out that's like just the title cards and like updated versions of the title cards oh, um, cool. they're pretty it, cool it feels like a um in line with old looney tunes warner brothers cartoons yeah where they would uh, all have, and even along with that and before that like just the way shorts the idea of shorts it'd be like a 20 minute thing before a movie or a little oh, yeah the three stooges i'll do it just old old shorts all have little title cards for the 20 minute presentation and it just makes it feel more classic that's true plus we weren't keeping track of episodes back in the day we were just like digesting them as like oh yeah i got off of school and here's a new episode and that kicked ass and you remember the storyline so if you were telling your friend you'd be like oh did you see the episode of batman where the robot Clayface swallows him and we didn't have the benefit of like DVDs or anything that would have episode listings yeah you know so you couldn't be like oh yeah episode three where blah happens so giving it a title gives you something more easy to remember you know that way you can say like Robin's Reckoning rather than trying to remember the number or the action or something like that, it gives it something to like, this is a legitimate story and here's something for you to remember the name of. That's true. Cause I think that there's certain ones that really stand out. I, you know, heart of ice comes to mind as being the most iconic from this. And if you were to just say like, Oh, the Mr. Freeze episode. And then, Oh, which one? You know, the original yeah. one. Oh. oh yeah. The original one was the best. No, there's none of that. You say the words heart of ice and everyone's like, yeah. You know exactly I still what that don't is. Even know what you're talking about? What? Yeah, who's That's... Senor Frio? I don't. Who's, who are you talking about? <laughs> I can't think of the episode. I don't know. Oh, that's I'm sure like, I watched all this stuff then, but I don't even know. I don't know what that is. Well, I guess we got to do another one of these because that's like the most famous <laughs> one. You know that? Like you're as cold as ice. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it comes from. So mine are the detective story with a lot of heart. The phantasm-like use of flashbacks, really satisfying conclusion, and then of course, even though I've grown kind of numb to it because I just watch this show all the time, but best cast, composer, art direction ever. You know, just legendary team, undisputed. Cons? So you're going to hate me more than you do now. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Conroy a little bit. And let what? me explain. Put your gun away and let me explain <laughs> it for just a second. It's so I watched these cartoons when I was younger. And then a couple of years ago, I watched some of Batman Beyond. And so he reprises his role as Bruce Wayne. Uh, I'm listening. My, uh, most of my experience within the past 10 years <laughs> or more of Kevin Conroy's Batman is the Arkham games. Yeah. And he's great in that. Like, he has all the presence, the power. He's just, he's excellent. And then watching this, and I don't remember thinking this in Phantasm, so maybe it wasn't an issue, or I just wasn't thinking of it. But this, and there's the, the kind of the first Two-Face episode. There's a scene that really highlights it for me. He sounds like he has a cold, both in terms of, like, he kind of sounds a little, a little nasally, a little bit. But also, he talks very slow, and he's just not very forceful. Where in the Arkham games, and the modern stuff, even Batman Beyond, there's more energy to his performance. It's just kind of lacking compared to what I have come to expect from him. 
well, the Two-Face one that stands out to me is right after Two-Face gets half his face blown off. And it's an amazing scene on every level, like the animation, the way it's shot. But he looks at it and he goes, Harvey, no. <laughs> That's just, a fucking awesome scene. You could fuck it's, yourself. It is awesome, but that, that delivery compared to what he does later as Batman, I'm just not that into it. Is that where Christian Bale drew influence from, like, the plugged nose? Maybe. <laughs> Batman thing? Is it is actually, like, a throwback the whole time? Yeah. He researches the roles. But do you think that you are in... I mean, granted, I don't know what Conroy did before this stuff, so maybe it's, like, kind of early on in his voice acting career. Theater. He did theater before this. Okay. So it's possible that that's, like, early on in his career, so his mm. performances aren't as good as they would be 20 years later for these games. So maybe he's just better. But I also wonder how much of it is related to just the way that you absorb that stuff. Like, yeah. I think I think maybe you're having more fun playing the games and you like that visual representation of Batman and possibly the writing also more than you like the animated series Batman. And so the whole thing, it's like the package is what really sells you on it. There's definitely some of that, but no, I mean, I think if you, if you listen to his vocal performance from this and then anything from the games, it's just a better performance and the quality of the recording is better. So that's probably part of it, but just his performance is better the same character, just a better performance. And having no experience with the games myself, I can only say that I prefer his earlier like animated series stuff to the later films that he does because I think he had more depth and dimension and heart in the early characterization than in the later ones he seems to have done away with some of the duality that made his performance the most iconic like it is much more straightforward just extreme gruff all the time again i don't know the games but i still have a, a real high regard for this early stuff well and it's not even so much like the acting that i'm criticizing it's just literally the delivery the vocal delivery mm-hmm. i don't like i don't like the speed of it and i don't like the timbre of it again it sounds like he kind of has a cold not so much like the character, his portrayal of the character, whether he has, whether he's just angry man all the time or other things. I just don't like the sound of his voice in comparison to the later stuff. The sound of it. The sound of it. It's music to my ears. Roger. Um, I really only have for cons that there's just a couple of dumb lines, you know, and that's just true of any episode of this show, you know, the grumpy thing or whatever. That's really all I could fault it for. Same boat. I don't love young brat Robin because yeah. I just don't like children. Yeah, I don't like that aspect of kids, and I don't like anybody who is a little bitch about stuff. And so some, sometimes <laughs> he's sometimes he's crossing that line. <laughs> Trifecta. I wrote for detective. Yes. Well, it's more like this is, <laughs> this, is uh, this is Robin's trifecta for this episode, kind of more than anything. Sure. Yeah, I mean, oh, how much of an acrobat is Robin? <laughs> <laughs> he swings from that tree branch really eloquently out the window. Yeah, off the manor. So that was pretty impressive. Uh, his uh, motorcycle trick, like you said at the end, that's yeah. extremely ninja. 
<laughs> I like the sequence where they are fencing and he's first training young Dick. He's training his dick. He says, <laughs> he says it's finesse, not strength. I like that. And then in practicing sword play with Dick. And then in parentheses, I wrote, but still can't fight. <laughs> yeah. Any other ninja? Oh, I, I did, even though I complained about the fight choreography and this, his jujitsu when he was undercover was really cool. Yeah. And that's when I say, like, it's the, him not being as good a fighter. I don't think it's like an animation limitation. That's it's a choice. Like a choice they made mm-hmm. because the, the way they animate his fighting is really good and convincing. I think the fight scene in the very beginning in the construction site is really cool, especially considering the environment. You can't do everything in a place like that. You have to balance on all these beams and stuff. So that's tricky. No, and that's cool. There's always like a platform nearby. Yeah, okay. There's a, yeah, yeah. There's always some suspended board somewhere for you to utilize. That's true. You can use it like where a the, diving board. Where the window washing jokers are machine gunning you. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like that fight scene in the alley because it seems very practical. And also he's unaided by any of his other tools. That's just him hand-to-hand combat with some vagrant trauma it's robin's trauma yeah it's not like it really comes across but it is his trauma related to robin's trauma is what drives the entire story yeah i'd still take it back to that one scene of them in front of the portrait of thomas and martha as being sort of the gravestone in phantasm scene you know like of this show i think it's very clear without being a constant discussion or something. But I think more than that, it's about the elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more about his time in the circus. I know how much the sore spot that elephant is to you, Dick. Don't worry about Dumbo. I got Dumbo. Don't even worry about it. I'll handle that. I did it because I care about you. I know you fucking hate those things. And then around. When I was a boy, an elephant harassed me and my family too. And I- yeah. You don't know how much I understand. Rating? Four and a half. I can't argue with that. It's Ben's like going to give it a two. Two. A two. And it's not with poorly made. You're not joking? No. And it's not. And I, it goes <laughs> back, some of it goes back to what I say when I say like, the numbers are a weird thing, giving things a numerical rating. Just in terms of how much I enjoyed watching it, it's like a two. It didn't hold my attention or engage me all that much. Jesus Christ. I wasn't doing sweet combos. I wasn't collecting new costumes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That. What am I supposed to do with my hands? Yeah. <laughs> Put them down your pants. Yeah, what? yeah, you enjoy everything that you experience that much more if your hands are down your pants, everybody. Take that, life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone back and forth between a, a four and a half and a five, and I think that in terms of the show that I would probably give it a five, like contained within the show that it's, it's one of my favorite episodes. And I think in a broader sense, put it up next to, you know, Keaton or Phantasm or anything else. And I think it's a solid four and a half, you know, Phantasm doesn't really have any of the dumb lines here and there, but otherwise I, I love it. This is a good stuff for me. No, he'd spent a long time shaking his head. Yeah, it's just, I mean, when you say it like that, I'm even more secure in my two. Because holding it up against <laughs> any of that stuff, it doesn't. Like, I, for me, it doesn't. 
hold up against Batman 89, which, as I said before, I'm not even that into that movie. But that's a more entertaining and engaging experience. How have we lasted um, a full year? <laughs> well, I don't I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I just... <laughs> this show has been torture for me. You've been dragging me through this. It sucks. I hate no, Batman. No, I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't... That's what I say when it's a two. It's not a two in the, like... Oh man, I'll never get that time of my life back, and I'm very upset with you about it. It's just like it wasn't didn't do anything for me. And a part of it, I think it's because it's an origin story again for characters that I already know eight different versions of their backstories. So another one, it's just like, eh. and you're not the young person you maybe seeing this stuff for the first time or anything. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But and you could do that with anything, or like how I said with Dark Knight, I would give it a different review the first three times I watched it than this most recent time, having seen it way more than that. But this is the time that I saw it, and this is what we're talking about. So it's like a one. <laughs> so God, upon, he yeah, doubles yeah, let, down. probably watch it again and then get back to us again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bad Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is it, my friends. Thank you again for checking us out. And we've got one episode left after this, all right? This is going to be the end of our first season, this first year. It's been fantastic. So we appreciate everybody who's been following. Again, please screenshot it, spread the word, share it to your stories, repost us, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, help spread the love, and we will be back, all right? We got one episode left. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but... It's a doozy, all right? So stay tuned for one last episode, the season finale, year one of the Bad Fanatic podcast. All right, thank you guys so much from myself and Ben and Evan. Take care. Jesus Christ. Thank him, praise him. Pray to him yes. that he can... Do something to change Ben's mind. Yeah, dear Lord God. <laughs> they already ben, made all the ben money off this show. Everybody loves it. It's okay if I don't love it. Desperately needs a change of heart. I, think something... Batman, I like Batman Beyond much more than the animated series. What? Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Oh. Roll around in that. You oh, are. Roll around in that. Never. Take that controversy. Never in the last decade of our friendship has the slight age difference become more apparent than today where you're favoring the video games and the fucking Batman Beyond froze right on that above <laughs> the animated series. Jesus Christ. I watched all of this. I have all those same experiences come home after school and watch this. So I watched all of this, but it's just shway. I like future stuff. It's faster, better, better action scenes. So you still get Kevin Conroy's Batman. And he's even gruffer and angrier. He's kind of like a Dark Knight Returns Batman. Just sitting in a fucking chair, though. It's his mind is his real power. Neat. Ben likes, <laughs> ben likes neon lights, too, so that's, yes. that, that plays a factor. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. He likes Blade Runner. He likes, he likes Blade Runner. He likes Drive. He likes Batman Beyond. This episode took a nosedive. <laughs> we don't have what to you, agree with Why don't you say some more curse words and dick jokes? <laughs>